This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. All right, we're here with Daniel Preston of Preston Hardscape Designs. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. This is an awesome opportunity. No problem. It's been a long time. Uh, you've been with us for a while and uh, super pumped to get to know more about you, your story, and uh, you know how you came to be. So I'm stoked for this episode. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It's, it's wild to be here. It's cool to be even affiliated with a brand like Brunt. You know, I, I feel we both have been growing our social media uh, followings and audiences during the same time periods almost. Yeah. Looking back at when I got started six years ago and how long you guys have been just building your juggernaut over there. It's just crazy to see the rocket ship you guys are on. I'm not on as big a rocket ship, but I feel like a little bit similar one. And a lot of that has to do with social media probably for both of us, right? Yeah. Social media is a powerful tool. I mean, um, definitely on the empowerment side, it's great to get our messages out there or, you know, um, bring light to the trades, construction, uh, get to share with other, other, um, you know, trades or even, uh, people within your trade, what you're doing, right. how you're doing it. So right. definitely cool. Downside is, is now everybody's going to critique everything you do. So yeah. <laughs> gotta yeah. be prepared for that. I feel the haters are coming out of the woodwork more and more each day. It's like the new thing to do. I feel do. And, and, and <laughs> I, I think there should be like a qualification button. It's yeah. like, are you actually in the industry? Because if you're in yeah. the industry, like, We'll give you a check mark saying, okay, maybe I value your opinion. Yeah, no, no. Like, no, I always say to the guys, it's it's never going to be anybody at your level or above, right? Right. That, that's the thing to look at. There. So, yeah, no, it, it's been a wild ride uh, for me. I think social media has a lot to do, has had a lot to do with it. Um, I've been on a hardscaper for 23 years. I've been on my own now for just six. Yeah. So I worked for other company, other companies, you know, watching them fumble through social media, I guess. I was just always a field guy for the most part. Last part of my career, uh, working for someone I was a designer, and that's kind of what kickstarted me into Preston Hardscape Design. Yeah, and I just knew, you know, six years ago, social media had to be the thing. You had to be on Instagram. You had to be on Facebook. It's like what the marketing people were were talking about, but but like where it's taken my career and like what it's done for my small business in Central Wisconsin has just been ridiculous. Just been so wild. I had no idea the opportunities that would come in just by showcasing your work and telling people who you are yeah that's interesting because um and we'll get into this but uh one of the questions that that comes up is is like how can a local business leverage instagram or tiktok um for their business and you know you see facebook and facebook's kind of morphed into um almost like an angie's list or something like that you know like yeah. a google listing so that you know it it seems it seems native to that platform to have your business on there, um, right. be in certain community groups and and like that totally makes sense. But like on the flip side, and and we had a conversation a while back um, with another guest that like Instagram was more on the labor side and less on the customer side. So people see what you're doing. Um, people want to get involved. So other hardscapers are reaching out to you and like, hey, do you have an opportunity in the uh, to work for you or whatever. So it's kind of interesting, like how you're utilizing that. And I'd, lo I'd actually love to hear that. Let's yeah. just jump in with it now. 
I have a, and that's crazy because I have a story that like ties that whole entire thing you said just together. And this is how I always approach it. Like to me, when I first started out, Facebook was my local, my local connection, right? Like yep. grandmas, grandpas, friends and family, you know, everyone from your, from your high school. I live in my hometown. So yep. lots of people from my hometown are on Facebook. So to me, Facebook was the first thing kind of local, like get yourself out there. And I always said Instagram was for the world. I always said Facebook is local, Instagram is for the world. That's just how mm-hmm. I felt. But you're exactly right, man. And I feel sometimes we go back and forth on, you know, who is your posts for on Instagram? Is it is it for other contractors? Is it for homeowners? Right. And I think I think some posts can be the same. Yeah. Right? But it's like for a lo- for a long time. And I think as contractors, it's just so fun to have other people following you and to be, you know, picking each other's brain and all this stuff. So you get you get sucked in kind of to like, but that doesn't mean that that clients, potential clients still aren't watching you, right? Yeah. So it's like, I, I thought the same thing. Like my Instagram is for my for my buddies in the trade. We're sharing, you know, tips and tricks and showing the cool things we're doing. And and then I got this, I got an Instagram direct message from, a, and I live in central Wisconsin, a town of 17,000 people. This is year three in business. I thought Instagram uh, was my contractor buddies. Little did I know that there's a prospective client in Knoxville, Tennessee, who's checking out my work. And comparing mm-hmm. the people in his local market, he reached out to me on Instagram in a direct message in it. And literally that changed the, the projection of my career because I went awesome. down to Knox. I went down to Knoxville, Tennessee. I did the biggest project of my life on this property. It was a three phase project. I spent my three winters down there because Wisconsin, we get shut down. So I, I always tell people, you never know who's watching your Instagram. Right? Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, and and I've even like just being in the space uh, now for for uh, yeah over a couple of years. It's interesting to see now the that um, other creators are cross collaborating, and so it's it's funny. You might get somebody from New England who's who's really good with like Cape Ann granite or or what have you, and they're like, hey, a I have a resource to get this material, um, or b I'd love to come come out and visit you, see, see what you do, but on the flip side, show you, you know, how to work with granite a little bit more or or what have you. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely, um, a huge, uh, opportunity there with social media and contractors. Yeah. And just like you said, it's, it's not only for getting your prospective clients. Like I don't run a, I don't run a large crew. And when I went down to Knoxville, the guys who helped me were guys off who were following me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. it's just it's crazy like they were in my dm saying i see you're in my hometown and i come and visit your job site i'd love to i've been following your work and i said yeah you can and bring your tools too and guys work with me down there and then i went down for phase three the helicopter pad i sourced those same guys and i just went back to nashville for a project and it's just cool now i can you can reach out to people in your in your instagram network yeah that's, that's like how i've been operating lately it's really trying to build a big network and then with my Heartscape Mentor Program, I, we can get into that a little bit later, but that's kind of the next step here where I'm getting back industry and trying to bring up all these young, new Heartscapers. That's back. awesome. That's awesome. So we skipped right over it, um, I would, but, yeah. you know, obviously we get into what we like. Um, give, a little, give a little background um, pre, you know, business explosion versus uh, sure. social yeah. media. I'd love to see, A where you started, why you started, and then um, what led you to that moment where then it propelled your business into to new new avenues. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, so so my story is pretty much, uh, I, I dropped out of art school at age 20. 
right? I, I, my whole life, uh, all through grade school, high school, I was a graphic artist. I was drawing logos for local businesses, drawing logos and two-dimensional art was like my mm. thing all growing, all growing up. So I, I found out college necessarily wasn't for me. And my first landscaping uh, gig was when I was 20 years old. I basically thought I was punishing myself for not finishing college. I'm digging these holes, doing whatever. But what inspired me was uh, the top guy at the company I was working for had a family of five and his wife didn't work. And I was like, well, maybe there is a little, maybe there is some future in this trade if that guy can make a living for himself. I feel yeah. like that's why I just kind of kept my head down with one thing. I was trained by that first company for eight years. And then, so I, I never really had the confidence to go on my own. I just kept, I was the number one foreman everywhere I went. Mm-hmm. And then we moved across the state, number one foreman. They made, they made me a construction manager. And then what really turned the tables was when, when these companies, when this company could see I was the number one foreman, then I was managing a few crews and I could ad lib in the field because of maybe my artistic ability along with my building knowledge, right? So then, then they asked if I wanted to be a designer. I wanted to come. Basically, to me, that was like going on the inside. I've, yeah. been, on the out, I've been on the outside for 12 or 13 years. Now they're saying, come on the inside. So that's kind of when it went full circle for me. I learned uh, pricing, um, you know, and then like what, and then, and then how to design and sell. Right? Why help us design, which inevitably meant sales, which inevitably meant I know the numbers now. So I was a residential designer for high-end resident uh, landscape and kind of my my f- main focus was high end residential design, and the main focus of this company was was commercial maintenance. Yep. And I feel I feel that I we just kept butting heads a little bit because it's two opposite ends of the ends of the spectrum. So I I was doing a little bit of freelance design work, and I I knew I needed a way out somehow. Like I would present the designs to, to people in their living room, sell the whole project, and when I went to hand that off, I feel like the football was always fumbled. A lot of it had to do with I had 15 years of experience. I was drawing what I knew it could be built. So it was just kind of like I was getting hung up, like handing off the design, playing the designer role, showing everybody how to build it. It was just like, well, my name might. And then I got to collect the check. So my name might, might as well be on the side of the truck. Right. right? That's kind of how it came. So, and I got a big, a big pool lead from a, an audio video contractor friend of mine. He said, Hey, I know you do some freelance design work. You've been designing out for five years. I'd like to give you this design of a friend of mine to just run on your own. And it came out to be, you know, a six figure installation uh, number at the end of it. And, and that that's when I knew it was my time to go. So that's kind of how it all started. And just touching on Instagram and social media, I, I was so nervous. I started my business and, and I knew I had to get on there and I had this one big job. So I, what I did was just, I took a whole bunch of pictures and video through, throughout the course of the first two months. Yeah, because I always heard when you start posting on Facebook and Instagram that you have to keep posting. I'm like that that intimidated me. Like, what am I going to post the next day? What am I going to post the next day? <laughs> yeah. So I just built this huge queue or whatever, if you will, and then I just started getting that out there. So that one job I just documented and shared the crap out of. Like that's the whole first part of my Instagram page. Now scroll down is that particular project, and one thing just led to the next thing. Uh, other local home builder was looking through there and they just seen all kinds of pictures of a massive project, even one got hired for another big project showcasing that one big project year one has kind of just snowballed it all. And then getting my videographer involved. That's really what it's taken. It to. Yeah. It is getting a videographer out there, you know, following me around, showing the process and then walking. Up. That's like when the guy reached out to me from Knoxville, he mentioned 
you know, my YouTube videos, video content. Nothing is lost in translation anymore. I mean, everyone's doing this great. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much trust now when they see the contractor working every day, right? And doing good work every day and bring it out there in front of them. So basically from landscape labor all the way up to designer, you know, kind of got, got kicked out the door. I will be, if you will, because my focus wasn't the lead company. And then it was really scary, but you know, the rest is history, I guess, man, for sure. Here so, I am talking to Brunt. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I kind of want to get into it because I feel like, I feel like, um, I don't know. There, there's a couple of trades out there that are that are pretty attainable um, when it comes to just like getting out there, learning, um, and then kind of scaling from there. But then there's like obviously crossing that chasm. But um, like painters, uh, you can start a business real, you know, just take on clients, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're now you have to structure and figure out a business. And, and landscape is the same way. Yeah, it's right. Like yeah. You get out there cutting lawns, and then you. Then you're buying more equipment and then all of a sudden, but that, that, that jump to hardscape is kind of interesting because like, yeah, you can do, you know, techno block patios and, you know, square designs and stuff like that. But how did you, was it on, on, um, sorry, on the job training when it came to like the design work or did you actually have to go to school and, and kind of learn how to use whatever software programs you do to design it, uh, kind of get in a little more of that. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing you, you mentioned there was like the jump between landscaping and hardscaping. And I think one of the big variables there is the design. I mean, you can, you know, landscapes, uh, good landscape design with plants and shrubs and, and the lay everything else should have visual too. But I really feel with the hardscape stuff, you need a visual presentation, which is the three dimensional. Like I said, my background was drawing when I was a kid and then I dropped out of art school. Then I yep. was a then I was building stuff, so I was constantly looking at other people's design. And my first designer I worked for, uh, he had an accredited architecture landscape architecture. He's the one who taught me how to draw curves and everything. Just by I'm always looking at his designs. So like I was I built um, other people's designs for years, and I knew how things had to go together. So when they said when they invited me on the inside, and I started to draw, I I was drawing by hand, and then I would yeah. hand it off hand it off to the lead designer, and he'd put it into the software that I hadn't learned yet but I still I guess I just had an artistic uh attribute I guess and it's like as soon as I could like start to draw what I had been building yeah me that's when it all came together so then I was self-taught on SketchUp is the software that I use uh, over the winter months it's just YouTubing tutorials uh fumbling through designs getting to the point where I could buy its presentation so when I worked for that other firm I I spent my winters you know teaching myself freedom so like I said, it's like, you know, I didn't go on my own until like everyone gave me the tools along the way to go on my own. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, I've, I've met, I've met a few folks that, that actually went to college for you yeah. know, landscape architecture, landscape design. And, um, they kind of started off in that field, but then they have to like, self-teach a lot of the stuff the like building. using equipment and the building actually, center right so that there's it's almost like potentially that would be useful later on in their career to go to school for landscape design or landscape architecture yeah. so like right out the gate i don't think you could necessarily apply it or you might pigeonhole yourself into just designing and not actual 
like you had yeah. said, like you were designing, but why isn't your name on the truck that's doing the install and and kind of yeah. raking all that in, you know? So yeah, because uh, because I was showing those showing those guys how to install too. Yeah, and, yeah. and I I think you to be a good designer, you you have to have field experience. That's just my opinion. Yeah, you know? and, and I looked at a lot of designs. <laughs> Either whether it was a commercial design or a residential design from another designer who didn't have a bunch of experience, and I know everyone, every artscaper listened listening this past, and it doesn't always work in the field, right? It doesn't always work in the field. So when you have the field experience, it gives you, you know, better insight, more insight on how to design. So I'm going to get technical here. What is one of the hardest materials to work with, and that that is kind of like a challenge for you? I, I know that they've. They've somewhat made it easier for the industry by having like preformed blocks and yeah. and people like it and and like there's no, I I shouldn't say that there's no artistic or or like old yeah. masons and stuff like that used to be able to do a lot and I I see less and less of it nowadays. Yeah. Um. What what what's what's your hardest material or your challenge in the in the industry that you want to kind of conquer? That's awesome that you ask that because natural stone is my favorite thing to work with. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and I feel like it's, it's a challenge and which is why I like to work with it. So flagstone, like tight laid, uh, you know, two inch to three inch, like flagstone to make surfaces out of. Mm-hmm. And I cut all that and piece it together. To me, that's super artistic. You know, you have to be creative to come up with, you know, that, that installation in my opinion, and then natural, uh, boulder walls. So, and I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I put that out there on my, on my Instagram. And I feel like that is a little bit how I separate myself compared to the other guys is, I am using precast products. I, you know, I'm uh, I'm sponsored by Unilock. I, I put in blocks and bricks, but then it's stones and rocks, right? I always say bricks, blocks, stones, and rocks. Okay, that's what I put in. But I can get really creative when I throw natural stone in with the precast, and I feel like that's that's how I've been making a name for myself. Like just a smooth paver design, and then I throw an inlay of a rough texture of the flagstone in the middle. I'm always scribing around boulders, so. I love the challenge of working with natural stone because when I pull something off with it and I look back at it, it's there for life. And with precast stuff, I feel like it's always going to break down no matter the, qual- the high quality of Heckle Block or Unilock, whatever, it mm-hmm. will break down someday. Natural stone uh, was here before us and it'll be here after us, right? That's why I love working with it. But I feel it is a challenge, which is why a lot of guys don't have the patience to work. They really just grab a block and set it on top of the next one. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I, I I'm from the New England area, yeah. so I mean from granite foundations to um, farmers' walls, I mean like everything up here is still yeah. has has lot lines that are just piles of of uh, stone that they found in the field and they just kind of outline the property. But yeah, I mean all the way up to um, um, Cape Ann granite and the the quarry mines up here or redstone and brownstone. Um, yeah, so that. <laughs> You know, a lot of that architecture around here, the older architecture is still that that stone and it holds up over time. But I yeah. feel like, I mean, even from like drilling and feathering and splitting block and stuff like that, there's like, there's a lot of um, skills all that. Those, are... All those guys I follow are from New England, right? All the block. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to be. <laughs> the but... pile of rocks there and they're making those linear walls with round rocks. Yeah, that I get off. I get off on that stuff. I'm kind of a, a natural stone nerd, so I, I love all that. And it's and it's wild because it's like you know I did a I did a podcast with uh, guys up in um, up in Gloucester, and they that's all they do is deal with Cape Ann granite. And it's like it's following lines in the stone, and and like knowing just with a piece of stone itself, knowing its limitations and where it can be, and yeah. then 
kind of mapping yep. that out. And then also I could, I could only imagine, um, like if you were to buy, um, a supply of it, right. And then it gets delivered to your site. Like how now you have to make all of it work. How much overage yeah. do you have? I mean, it's gotta be, yeah. it's gotta be yeah, like right. a logistical nightmare. Oh, for sure. It and I and I went through a lot of that in my career. Was ordering stuff and having to show up and you not like it. There, the one thing I do now, and I'm always telling these guys, is like go to the quarry and pick out the even if you're going to have a delivery, you have to go to the quarry. Like I'm building uh, natural stone walls, like seven, eight feet tall, and my boulders look like I call it Yeti coolers, like they're perfect boxes, right? I know out in New England they have some rock like that, but just to go to the quarry and pick out a load of boulders and say I want ten loads, but I want them all. To Right, right. Or you're gonna go, you're gonna go get your granite. Be like, I want it all to look like this. I always hand, I always tell guys, hand pick, hand pick your natural stone. It's just gonna make life way easier, right? But you know what's coming in, and like sometimes I'll have a boulder that I picked out of 25, and I have it in my head. I remember I picked that one. I know it's on this semi somewhere spot. Well, that. So how does that work for like estimating? I mean, is it is it when when you get into that kind of. Um detail and and it being that intricate is it more like hey work with me and like as as we'll go along or do you have this set price and and it's it's super high and you know you can work down from it and like yeah surprise the customer like how just a glimpse and no i don't want you to give away all your secrets but no 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 i get no and and that's a question that does come up for sure so when you work with natural stone you're always going to want to put in the budget for more than you need right so if i if i'm going to build a wall and i know i need three three quad axle like the the, the math uh, provides this the, the face footage i need i know how many boulders i need i'm still going to order more yeah right? i'll probably order literally probably if i need two loads for sure i'm going to order three loads then i have those extra ones to pick through that's usually how i do that the same thing with flagstone uh, patios and walkways so much waste that's why you just you put in you put in the bid for the waste almost like you're building right mm-hmm. Just to get that, just to get that number across to the client, and, and it is a conversation with the client, like, "Hey, this is natural stone." Really, more with the boulder walls, uh, because you don't know how those are going to go, go together. So you put a number on there, and then if things start to get crazy or rocks aren't right, you might have a conversation with that homeowner. But it's it's a little bit of knowing your numbers, keeping it high because it does take a lot of time. Yeah, you know, working with the right working with the right clients who want this natural stone are willing to pay premium. So, so that's all well and good, but I want to hear us. You got to have a story of, of that Karen or that Ken or whatever that, uh, (laughs) that it went sideways and, and, and how you kind of resolved it or, or what was the outcome? Oh, you mean like with a bid or like a bid or something? It doesn't matter. I mean, there's gotta be one job that you just wish you could go back (laughs) on and, and either do something right or just skip it all together. Oh yeah, so I had this I had this lady, I won't call her Karen, but pretty close. She <laughs> she or she ordered uh and this was and these are jobs it's just crazy the evolution of your career, right? And, and now it's like the jobs that I'm taking on and the jobs that, and this is everyone could attest to this. The jobs you're saying yes to in the beginning yeah. are not the jobs you're saying yes to in the end, right? So the, so this one I kind of went through was this lady had husband was going to lay this two piles of natural stone that she bought but instead she talked me into laying these you know this two piles of natural stone that mm-hmm. she bought so it's like working with a stone that i didn't hand pick i didn't go out there she has a pile laying there in her yard and i said sure i'll i'll put this together and i'll I, I lay this but you know 
And then she didn't want any of the details. I wanted to put a paver border around it and she didn't want that. So to me, the the red flags like come about more when, when they don't let me do everything I want, everything I want to as a designer, you know, because the, the best projects for me are the ones where I had the, I had the full say over the design and when the client just lets me do it, they're going to be happy at the end when they yeah. play around with that. So just taking on a job where expectations were, her husband was going to put this in. There's a couple of pallets of natural stone. This is all just going to go smooth. Well, there wasn't enough of the natural stone. She had to get more. Well, at this point, you know, it's a different color coming out. Just lots of nightmares in a, in a little bitty job that I, that I would never take again. And then, and then the sketch and then the scheduling, like I told this lady, like I, I didn't really want to do in my head. I'm like, I didn't really want to do this job, but I love working with natural stone. It's really why I took it. And it's like year two. So I'm like, I can showcase this. I can take some pictures of natural stone, but it's just, you know, now I, I never will work on a project. where someone says, I don't know. That's one lesson. And, and then as far as like these smaller jobs, you really don't want to take. I'm glad now that my career has kind of evolved on out of that um you know I, I the budgets are still there but when the budgets are bigger it just everything just everyone just gets along better i guess yeah yeah i mean and there's there's something to be said about that too it's like um and i've i've said this once or twice before but um the analogy that we used in the industry was you're you won't bring your own steak to a steakhouse and have them cook it and and a lot of customers were kind of taken back by it but like Especially because, like, for me, auto parts was, like, readily available. You can go on any website. You can, yeah. you know, we're charging 200 for, say, a starter, and you can find a starter on Rock Auto for, like, 15 bucks. And they're, like, you know, and, and it created this, like, this distrust for no. uh, the customer, the technician. They're, like, your margins are way too high, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, if you want to do it and put it in yourself, like, go ahead. But there's also... Like, I, I feel like they turn off when it comes to that because, like, when they're buying consumables or or whatever, um, you know, you buy cheap toilet paper, well, you're going to get yeah. single-ply rough sandpaper. Yeah. Like, yeah, go right. out no, and buy Charmin, right? No, get right. that it super is. roll. And, and yeah. <laughs> so, like, that, that equates to them, but it doesn't equate to um, things that they really don't want to pay for. So, like, unexpected right. costs, like uh, auto repair, like the car broke yeah, down. Right. No. They don't really have – they don't have it budgeted. They don't want to right. be dealing with this, or or they already have a bunch of natural stone, but I don't want to work with it. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I get the same thing. So, same so thing. it's 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 just wild that um, you know, it's it's a better overall product when one person or one company um start to finish from, and it allows you to warranty. It allows you to work with yeah. other vendors. I'm sure overages are kind of. Um, or waste, if you will, is is kind of a nuisance. But um, it's good when you're with partners because some of them will take it back. Some of them could hook you up with resellers, or you you use it, you roll it into a next job or or what have you. So it's um yeah, it's kind of interesting, and that that t in turn too can keep costs down for the customer as well. You know, yeah. hey, I have X amount of inventory I need to get rid of, and yeah. if you go with this, I can give you a really good product. But uh, it might not be a hundred percent what you want, but yep. it'll be a, a fraction of the cost. Yeah, it, it's just so cool now. Uh, like, just I'm always probably always going to reference social media. It's such a big part of my career. But how I've evolved, you know, how, how we like these last two big projects I've did. Like the clients aren't even picking out the materials. They, they, they you know, they, they don't. They're not even involved in that anymore because they've seen so much of my work on social media. 
know, yeah. I'm going to pick the right materials for their house or the right materials for what they want. So just to build, and the only reason they know that is by huge portfolio on social media. Yeah. These guys who get away with out running on social media, selling their projects. I think it's harder for them to sell themselves and their projects. I can go in someone's yard or house now and they know exactly who I am. My face is on social media all the time. Everything I've built is on social media. Just comfortability. And then they're like, oh, you you just go ahead and pick the the products. You know, we know that's, you know, they're going to work out. It's all over the internet. Yeah. And then work. And then working with with suppliers, you know, like Unilock, like all these people in the industry, who help me get their name out there, right? And I help them get out there by by selecting their products. Awesome. Hey, uh, can you pull the microphone a little bit closer to you? For sure. There you go. Um, so one one of one of the things you did want to get into is the empowerment aspect, and um, you are going about unique way. Um, I got into this because I saw a huge gap in um, the baby boomer generation to what's coming in now. And I didn't see there, there wasn't anybody in between. There's no, there's nobody out there to hire. Uh, Nobody wants to do these jobs. Um, These jobs are good. Um, Yes. You can find bad employers. You can find bad employers with anything or, or not a right match on a, a trade, but yeah, I mean, just getting the message out there saying, Hey, you know what? We're making good money. We, you know, we're investing in our future. And give me a little more on what you're doing. As far as like my future plans, yeah, yeah. So, so that that's great that you brought that up. So my next venture is is HardscapeMentor.com. Okay. So it's as so I just went over my career a little bit. It's just 23 years of learning the trade, um, fumbling through mistakes. Um, you know everything we just talked about, and and working with this videographer was a big part of that as well. And then working with these young kids on Instagram who were in my direct messages, right? They 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 really just inspired me that there 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 is a younger generation out there, mm-hmm. you know, they're of hard workers, right? And I think Brunt is is seeing that in in all industries, like like some of the people who are ambassadors, these guys are in their twenties, which mm-hmm. is amazing, right? So when I meet a young hungry kid who is in his twenties, or even a guy who's been cutting grass, like you said, and he wants to go to hardscaping, and he's in his forties, right? Back in the day when I grew up, no one was sharing any information. I'm old enough to say, like, you know, our our dads were not going around telling me people how they built. Literally I'll trade be- secrets. That's where it comes from is the trades. We would not give up our secrets. Like, sure. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 right. That that coin phrase. And that, that that's just so cool that that pretty much went away. Yeah. Social media. Right. So yep. everyone is 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 giving is showing people how to do this. So when I met all these young kids and I was working with this videographer who was basically following me around. Uh, documenting my processes, the, the evolution was, you know, hardscape mentor, give back to these kids and and show them how to build stuff. So there's a lot of mentorship programs out there telling you how to make money, how to scale your business to to all these different levels. But my sole intent is just to have everybody building it. Right. So it's like I've I've fumbled through it. I've learned my ways. I've I've you know networked with everybody in the industry. So it's just to give that back and kind of bridge that gap of where you want to be and what you're looking at and where you are now and what's in between there. And it, and if you want to be a hardscaper, it, it's hardscapementor.com, which is a, a tutorial full of websites and then a private community call, where, that we're branding the herd. And what that is, is just we're, we're one group of people moving in the same direction and that's to level up. So it's really gaining momentum right now. And it's really inspiring to me to see uh, people who are interested in the industry that I've given 23 years of my life, to, right? So it's uh it's giving back my tips and tricks 
and and just trying to level up the industry. I always say I'm I'm not going to be the last one building uh, crazy hardscapes out there. So I just want to well, I want to see the trade evolve. Yeah, and and what's cool is is like there's 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 two aspects of it. One, um, a lot of people in the trades are um visual learners right you can you can give them lists you can give them tasks you can give them resources in text um and it just doesn't click until they see that visual aspect and and you think that's why we're that's why we're all tradesmen right so somebody who isn't immersed in that in that side starts seeing your stuff and starts visualizing themselves in that scenario and can see like hey you know what and at, at first i mean um what do they say? Like flattery or uh, copying or mimicking is like yeah. a form of flattery. And I would assume that yeah. there's some people out there that are going to do exactly to a T what you put out there. Like you might see uh, yeah. a Preston hardscape design walkway that was like visualized and conceptualized by you, but all of a sudden somebody else is duplicating it. That's a good thing. And then like, then they no. can start ideating on their own and then, then level up You're you're getting into a, um a form of like pushing the industry right so now you got you know you got yourself who's pushing the industry in one space another person who's could be a direct competitor could be you know whatever but you guys are in competition in a way because now he's trying to level up you're trying to level up and then you just propel the industry into areas that like 100 percent never even thought of yeah no right a hundred percent that's exactly and that's thick and i and i do see that i you know a little bit of influence and I, and it's it's like you know brings a tear to my eye if I if I can see someone out there trying to pull off what I did or or what what's really bothering me now is these people who are taking things to the extreme and further than I did I'm just like maybe it's time for me to retire these these kids who are putting in these crazy cuts and doing these wild things that it's like I didn't even think of that yet but it's well it's and just, that's and that's that's what I'm getting at is is like yeah you could do one thing and say hey fuck it I'm gonna quit and retire. Or yeah. you're like, shit, I need to up my game. And then now yeah. you're back in the mix and they're going, yeah. fuck, yeah. I can't believe yeah, I exactly. didn't think of that. You know no, what I you're mean? Right. So, you're right. That's cool how we just keep feeding off each no other. Matter, Absolutely. No matter what, and no matter what level you're on as well. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no. some of the, uh, I, I don't know. I guess when I was a, a kid, my boss always said, um, you know, you're full of ideas and like every now and again one will stick but like yeah it's it's like compounding on that it's like yeah you know then it started to become multiple ideas or to now you become a trusted advisor at that point in time like yeah. he respect yeah. after 15 years in the industry he respected my opinion and we pretty much never disagreed on anything but like when yeah. i first got into the industry it was like i mean they say there's no there's no stupid questions or stupid i, I still don't believe that i, yeah. I put out some <laughs> yeah. stupid shit yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's funny. Yeah. And if I can just touch on the hardscape mentor, and we talked about like schools and universities and yep. going to college. So there isn't a lot out there for anyone who wants to be a hardscaper. Right. right? If, if you see that as your passion and you see you want to build stuff to go to a university or a technical college, like there might be a landscape offering at that technical college, but there, that might touch on paving, but there's not a specific hardscape uh, university or training thing. Right. So I had a kid from Atlanta, Georgia, reach out to me who was looking. He was 18 years old, and he was looking to go to a hardscape university, but he couldn't find anyone. His dad, was, his dad wanted to send him to college. He's a landscaper now, and he knows he wants to build out their living space. So he reached out to me on social media and said, I see you have your hardscapementor.com uh, and your training website, but I would, I would like to work alongside my mentor. Yeah. So 
this I'm in the 18th week of an apprenticeship with this uh, 18-year-old kid from Atlanta. He he flew up here the first time, and now he drives up to Wisconsin from Atlanta, and he's training right next to me every single day in the field. And he's 19 years old, and it's like if if I, if I would have done something like that when I was 19 years old with with the motivation and the ambition that I'm going to go on my own sooner than I did at age 37, right? This kid yeah. is 19. And he's going to fast track his career, I will. And he took a chance. His dad took a chance, but we just haven't been having the time of our lives. And, and it, it, you know, it's just giving back to the industry and then it motivates me. So, so now I'm, I'm working harder on a daily basis. And then this, this kid is trying to bring up his level on a daily basis because he's working with me. Right. So it's just been, it's been so fun and it's just cool how the evolution of your career just goes that, you know, eventually you get to the point where you have to give back. And you have to start training those those younger generation, and I feel like that's the point that I'm at right. Well, and it's it's also interesting too because um, you know a lot of people back in the day had left the trades or didn't promote the trades because it was not an environment that was uh, forgiving, right? Um, yeah, whether I mean, it was safety, um, whether it was you know just the overall danger of the job, um, the toll it would take on your body or even just the level of leadership or lack thereof, right? It was a very yeah. um, militaristic uh, yeah. industry, right. right? And what's cool and, and you know, working with people on the job um, and mentoring them, you're now teaching a 19-year-old through your actions and the way you handle your crew and and stuff. And, and you're kind of inlaying that into their brain to where now when they start their business – they're not going to be that person that's out there yelling at, at their yeah. crew or having because a high turnover Because, I went, through a, because yeah. I went through all that, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Right. So, so it's, it's, cool to, it's cool to pass on that information and that knowledge and, and that emotion and passion for it that yeah, I think that the trades are going to be set up um, pretty well in the, I don't know, next 10 yeah. or 20 years. And I think that, you know, we'll get that balance again of blue collar and white collar yeah. workers and yeah. – and um, maybe we'll start seeing trades coming back into high schools, and um, yeah, right, exactly. It'll be and, it'll be and, interesting. And social media, and and you know, brands like Brunt, I feel, are making the trades cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like people are watching what you guys are doing, and and you're you're hyping up the trades, right? And you're making them cool. And I feel there's a guy like me in every trade too, who's who's willing to give back to this younger generation and show them that the trades still can be cool. You can still make money. It's, not militaristic like you yeah. said so yeah i think i think we got to get that out there that there's money to be made in the trades yes it's hard work but there's a bunch of people here to give back to you and train you and, and i don't think that was the case of that there was a big gap there where that wasn't the case and if the trades went down at all lately they, they were going down then too because that that gap was was missing right just like, exactly like you said there was a stigma on trades I would like to think it's coming, it's going in the other direction now. And Correct. a lot of it, a lot of it is social media, right? I think the topic here, well, we're going to be on social, we're on social media, but I think, I think that's a lot of it, right? It's making the trades look cool again. Guys who are, who are having fun in the trades and are passionate about their trades are showing that again, right? So it's like, yeah, that we're only going to help that cause. If I can give you a nugget in your mentor program um, that I was many as you want, <laughs> well, that I was deficient on and uh, still have a hard time with it to this day is is that financial savviness. Like I, you know, I was in the military for four plus years active duty, and when I got discharged from the military, honorable. When I got out of the military, um, I didn't have a fucking cent to my name. 
right? So for four years, I made unbelievable money, but I drank it. I ate it. I gambled yeah. it. You, I, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think that like, you know, we, we go through 12 years of schooling and, and don't learn how to balance a budget, how to run a business, right. how to, um, you know, set aside money, like a third for me, a third for the business, a third for, right. um, you know, incidental, however you want to break it down. Um, I think that that should be next. Cause what happens when, when a young kid gets a big chunk of change from, from yeah. some sort of side job, they go and buy yeah. a fucking ridiculous truck with yeah. rims and like, yeah, right. you know no, what right. I mean? And, and, just- and teaching patience and that it will come. And it's so hard at a young age, these 18 and 19 year olds, they want the, no, they want the truck that I drive now. Yeah. It's like, well, I, it took me 43 years. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. yeah. I'm and still it, paying you know, that shit off too, by the way. Exactly. And I'm looking up at the other guy who's like, how do I get that truck? So yeah. yeah. Oh, it goes. Yeah. Well, it was that, it was that old, that another old saying that like, everybody wants to hop into an excavator and become an operator. Right. But yeah, nobody bro. actually wants to grease the thing or learn how to maintenance it prior yeah. to that. So, you know, yeah. young kids are e- eager to be operators, but what's going to set you up for um, success is understanding the entire operation nice. prior to getting into that cab and operating. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was the same, same with fucking welding is like, you know, the welder would come in and spend, 20 minutes welding but it's all prep grinding you 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 name it and so there's when it comes to building a business or or um becoming a you know top level um person in the industry there's a lot of foundation work that goes into it oh 100 percent and behind the scenes yeah 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 100 percent behind the scenes that that's that's interesting that you say that with the finances that that is one thing that, that we get into is like you can go build these cool and crazy projects but if you're not making any money you're not having any fun. And then what do you do with the money that when you do make it, right? And and what levels, what years in business do you do certain things with those profits, I guess. is. And to me, it's just networking with other guys and, and industry professionals to, to share what we're all doing, not necessarily what I'm I'm directly doing. I like to know what, you know, 10 of my peers are doing and then share all that information with kids so they can kind of pick and choose their own way. Because I also feel like there's not one route either, right? Like you like you said, I feel like we all might be handling our finances a little differently. So just to combine all that insight and give it back to them is, is part of it, part of that uh, situation too. Yeah, I mean it's 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 wild because like there's it's down to um, payment, like chasing payment, and like when when it's due. Um, obviously, your suppliers need to be paid. How much inventory you want to keep, um, taxes, and depreciation on all your vehicles and no. what you can write off, and just like. Yeah. There's, I I almost want colleges to move from like a standard four year degree to like a two year, almost like a one class per semester. Like so, it's two years of credits, but uh, like yeah. one class a semester, two classes a semester. That's that's manageable for a business and give you like a small business degree to where you take right. like. A class in accounting, a class in finance, a class in, um, you know, HR and business practices. Because, you know, now now we're in a world of HR and we got to learn what we can say, what we can't say, medical benefits, you know, yeah. uh, retirement, all this stuff. Like you want to stay competitive as a small business, you need to act like a big business and, and offer yeah. those same um, same incentives that, that other companies would. 
Yeah, for sure. Or, or just go before that, right? Go go grade school, go high school. Right. Like when, I'm old enough to say, like, when did we ever learn about starting your own business in school? Like, to me, that's wild. And that's probably why, you know, it took me uh, 17 years to start my own businesses because that, that's not the intuition that's drilled in your head like your whole life. Yeah. I feel like my parents were business owners, right? You know, my, my dad was a truck driver, so a blue collar guy, right? And my mom stayed at home. Like the things I knew were like, you had to find a job for the man, one that you kind of liked and just ride it out. And I feel right. like, and, and you had to go to college to get that job, right? right? So some of these kids now, it's like, I think you could go buy a, a mini excavator and make a hundred grand in your first summer. Yeah, It's like, no one's telling you that anywhere except for me just now, right? It's like throughout the course, all these professors and everyone we're talking to, no one ever says the entrepreneurship it to me is like lacking in the in the education system, yeah. right? To be an entrepreneur, it's it's all just like teaching you how to follow these systems and go to college and get a job and everything else. So I've heard that there's that there's less uh, less notice or pressure put on. Like they're not looking at your college degree as much anymore as they're looking at you as a person. Yeah, which which inevitably you know that's like the evolution of of society right now is like let's just figure out that person, right? Who cares? you know what their background is like who are they as a person but I, I love that you said that like when are we teaching the kids to go on their own to be a to be a business to run a business or, or even to to work for like a small business you know and handle those finances you're not you're not taught about finances like we need to know either in school so part of that is yeah part of that is the hardscape is part of the hardscape mentor thing is to, thing too is like it took me 17 years to go on my own you know you can start going on your own tomorrow and I'm going to be a guide by your side, readily available, full web website, full community to help you go on your own and become successful because it's not out there. People aren't, people aren't teaching that to young kids. Maybe it's more now, but they for sure haven't been history-wise, right? Right, right. Yeah, and uh, I mean, ultimately that elevates the industry. Um, yeah. You know, the better workers that you have out there, um, the more you can demand your fair share of of profits because again there's nothing like the guy that goes behind you and underbids you and then next oh. thing you know you're fixing that fucking wall and right no and everyone the customer, needs to be doing good work yeah yeah and the customer had a bad experience overall somehow you're tangled into it because you were just having to be the one to finish the project yeah, yeah and it kind right. of brings the whole industry down so like the more people that you can can bring up with you um actually eric says this a lot i'd rather build the tallest building in the city by building everybody else with me than have the tallest building in the city oh, that's, by tearing I all love the that. buildings down, right? No, so I, lo it's, I love that, right, yeah. And, and, and you know, obviously there's, there's a lot more to that, but, like, if we grow as a hardscaping community, then everybody's We're, charging yeah. what they want We're and all, they've got everybody exactly. trained now they're exactly. not going to look for whatever exactly so anyway yep, no. I, I think it's i think it's cool um it's cool what you're doing you're doing some awesome shit um i we obviously we follow you on instagram uh, so <laughs> i appreciate it man it's it's a fun affiliation with you guys that's a fact man yeah and, and i just want to give you credit for for what brunt has done like <laughs> in the trades industry like it's crazy how you know eric can come in there and, and and develop a brand that competes and is taking over the big dogs yeah like to me that is just so wild and i think a lot of that is social media you guys are i feel are like so 
uh, boots on the ground, literally, if you will, right? You're, you're out there with the people. You're, you're doing things like this. Um, you, you know, you're, you're, you're sharing your, uh, you're sharing your products with, with people so they can promote it. And I think that was like your guys's uh, approach to the industry, I think obviously has what's led to your success. It's, it's been really fun to watch and I've been proud to be a part of it just because like, I feel you guys are on a rocket ship and I'm, I'm kind of hanging on there with you guys. So, so, so fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting for the people out there that haven't actually, um, check out his founder story. It's pretty yeah. unique. Um, he comes from a blue collar background. His family is blue collar. His, all his buddies from high school who he's still in contact with today are, are the named, uh, named yeah. after the boots. Um, so it's, it's interesting because for him, this is passion. This is supporting a community that has supported him. And, and I think that there's a, um, it's a lot more personal than, yeah. than some of the other companies. And yeah, and no, exactly. again, everybody's to each their own. They're, they're, they're wearing what they like and, and what have you. But, um, I just love when I'm, I love when I'm in my little hometown here of 17,000 people in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. Right. Yeah. And I go, and I can go into a, a gas station and I'll see a plumber or electrician wearing brown boots. Hell yeah, like brother. To me, to, me, to me, that just blows my mind. That's so <laughs> cool, right? It, it, the word got out there to this guy somehow, right? Yeah. So I, lo I love that. It was probably you. Of, <laughs> yeah, but you know, on top of, you know, all my industry peers wearing them, right? And, and every kid who comes into my program, like the apprentice I just told you, he's got brown boots on his feet, right? Awesome. That was a gift. That was a gift to him when he went home the first time. That's amazing. So yeah. No, yeah, man. Awesome. I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Obviously, we're out in the trade schools. We're we're supporting the community. The podcast is there for, um, for as a resource, as a guide. I mean, or just storytelling and interest. But yeah, um, right. That being said, like pure passion for the industry. I wouldn't be here if I didn't love this brand. Right. Um, I again come from the trade, so I've been in a mall. I've worn a mall. Um, this one is inspiring and uh, very passion. Right. I think that's that's a big key to everyone's success. Right. Right. I feel like that that's that's you know what's taken me to to whatever and and like Eric's story and you know even you having the passion in the trade to, to work with Eric on this is, is passion and the rest falls in place right yeah that's what, that's what I always say for sure awesome awesome so uh this was awesome uh it's yeah, great man. to get to know more about you yeah. and, and your industry and and lay it all out there um before you go I know we we touched on the hardscape mentorship program. Um, that being said, if anybody wants to pick your brain, get involved with what you're doing, collaborate, whatever, where can they find you and how can they contact you? Oh, that's awesome, man. So check out heart. Everyone needs to check out hardscapementor.com. That's going to give you a rundown of what we got going on in there. But if anyone wants to get in touch with me about anything, check out Preston Hardscape Design on Instagram, send me a direct message on there or Hardscape Mentor on Instagram. You can send me a direct message on there. That's where we do a lot of our communicating, but we're on every social platform. So Hardscape Mentor on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and the same with Preston Hardscape Design. But anyone wants to get in touch with me, man, just give me a call. And then I, one more thing is uh, there's a big trade show coming up in Louisville, Kentucky called Hardscape North America. Quick plug for them. I don't have any affiliation other than I'm going to be setting up my uh, a trade show booth there uh, and, and and trying to to get to gain some members there. So if anyone's going to Louisville, Kentucky in four weeks, that's also another way to connect with me. Uh, we'll have a hardscape mentor booth at the show. So. Oh yeah, brother. Well, thanks yeah. for being on. It was, oh, thank it was you. epic. No, thank you so much, Jeremy. This was super fun. I hope to talk to you again. How about that? Absolutely. 
And as a special thanks to our loyal listeners, we're giving $10 off your next purchase of $60 or more at BruntWorkWear.com. Use discount code BUCKETTALK10. That's BUCKETTALK10. 